The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Hi, it's Scott McClellan with your FX Missions Leadership Moment podcast. Uh, glad to be with you and thanks for uh, joining us. Pretty excited today to have a referred friend. Well, I guess he's from Texas. He's not in Texas. And that hurts some of us when you hear that, I realize. <laughs> that hurts <laughs> <Scott>. me too. <laughs> Scott Seidler. Am I saying it right, Scott? You are saying it right. Okay. Yes, uh, Scott, thanks for being here. Where are you joining us from? I'm in Orlando, Florida, but uh, still Texas in my heart. Yes. It's like there are no such thing as ex-Marines. <laughs> there is no ex-Texans, guys. Come on. Let's be honest. In our hearts, we're right there. <laughs> you know it. Very true. Well, thanks for being on here. Of course, we have a mutual friend in uh, Stephen Machuca, and Stephen had mentioned that you'd be a great person to have on our new series, Believers in Business. And thank you for being here, man. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I love talking about, you know, both of these topics. And when you put them together, it's just a very happy place for me. Awesome, man. Well, very good. Let me ask you, what's, what's your background in podcasting, if anything, Scott? I don't currently do a podcast. I've uh -huh. been on quite a few and I always enjoy. I mean, you can put a microphone in front of me and I'm happy to talk to just about anybody. I mean, I had a degree from college in musical theater, so I'm no stranger to having a conversation in front of a big crowd or a small crowd or even just one person. So I, I enjoy being on them, but it's been something that's been on my list to do. But I do, you know, DIY and how to's and kind of talking through the process, not as effective mm -hmm. as the video showing you how to do it. So I spend most of my time in the video element of uh, content creation. Okay. Well, awesome. Yeah. Obviously you've got some presence, you know, in front of the mic. So that's kind of the origin of my question, but tell us a little bit about what you do and more about this content creation and where people can find some of that. Of course, at the end of the show, we'll also tag the appropriate places where people can uh, get the links and et cetera. Yeah. So I own a company called Austin Historical down here in Orlando, Florida, and we are a window and door restoration company. So it's a really small niche in historic preservation. And I started that about 11 years ago. And then maybe a year after that, I was getting a lot of questions from people on historic preservation topics. And I started blogging about it at thecraftsmanblog.com. And all those kinds of questions, just I thought I was like, well, I'm just going to make it simple. I'm just not going to answer this same email six times. I'll just write a blog post and then refer people to it. You know, one or two blog posts turned into 600 or 700 and then oh, video wow. content to show them how to do it. And so you know, all the social media that comes with that and content creation. I realized that I could help a lot of people with my business here locally 
and in the state of Florida in the Southeast where we service mm-hmm. historic buildings. But there were a lot of people I was never going to be able to meet or work with. So mm-hmm. I just decided, you know what, creating content to help them help themselves is probably a good option. I can serve a much wider audience. So yeah. that's why the, the two kind of go hand in hand. I'm either fixing up old buildings or teaching people how to fix them. Very cool, man. Yeah. Of course, Florida is, I guess, gotten got the deepest history of any state in the U.S. And most people don't realize that, but, you know, what is it? Yeah, uh, we've got the two oldest cities in the uh, country. you got St. Augustine and, believe it or not, Pensacola was actually the first. Really? First settlement here in Florida and in the country from Westerners. So, wow. Didn't last. They got blown away by a hurricane and they left. But St. Augustine's <laughs> been constantly settled since the 1500s. Love that town. Oh, I've yeah. been there a number of times and only not a third as many times as I want to get there. I, <laughs> I'd love to get back. Beautiful place, rich with history. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you'd be doing that out there. And again, let's don't forget to put appropriate links or whatever at the end. We'll backlink to I want to get that information from you to make sure folks can get to what you're doing. Obviously, I'm in business as well and in missions and in a variety of kinds of things that I'm involved in. Family, three kids like yourself. You got three kids. How old are your kids? How long have you been married? I've been married for 12 years and we've got three little kiddos, eight, six and four. So two boys and a girl. You guys have a great like structure. (laughs) 12, eight, six, four. (laughs) We just keep going. Yeah. Every two years or so. Yeah, and then we were like, after the third, we were like, okay, that's enough. We're we're now having trouble keeping our, our wits about us. So we, I think we'll stop at three. Uh, You're outnumbered as parents. Yes. When you yeah, get we had three. to go from uh, a man-on-man defense to zone, and it's a little <laughs> bit more challenging. I'm tracking with you 100%, man. Let, we're going to talk about your faith story, but I want to back into it a little bit. Uh, you told us a little bit about your business. How long have you been doing this in general, I know you said, you know, you mentioned kind of a little bit of a timeline, but is your background in this type of work? No. So it's been in my family. My grandfather mm-hmm. was a painter and carpenter and my dad was a contractor. And so I was always handy, very comfortable working with a set of tools, but never did it for a living. Uh-huh. I used to work in theater, actually. I have a degree in musical theater and I was a performer for years. And after I got married and we started having kids, I was like, you know what, I I can't go on tour or take a job with Tokyo Disney and disappear for years. Like I got to be here with my family. And, you know, I was like, well, what's my other passion? I was like, well, I like fixing stuff and I like old houses. So I put the two together and it's like, that's what I'm going to do. I'll just start a business. I'm handy. I can do this. Let's tackle it. And that's where the business was born from a need of me wanting to stay local and be around my family and have a schedule that permits me to take my kids to school and spend the time with them that I want and not, you know, have a boss that says, no, you got to be here at 7am. You're like, sorry, I, I don't roll in until nine o'clock because it's important for me to take my kids to school, spend a little time in the morning and in the afternoon. Yeah. Very cool, man. That's very noble. It sounds like it made sense to you and that was something that was important to you. So I know they appreciate it as well. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a trade-off, right? My business doesn't grow as fast or as big as I would like for it to but I'm not willing to give up that spending that time and seeing my family grow. I only have a certain amount of time to spend with them. I'll yes. do that now. Maybe when they're grown, I'll spend a little bit more time working because I enjoy what I do. But for now, it's it's family first and business second. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And I guess when you're, you've got a young family, you know, it can escape you that this season that you have is it doesn't get repeated. 
No. All my kids are grown. My youngest is 20. So I can say for sure <laughs> that, you know, it's long days and short months or long days and short years. You know, this time goes by so fast and you, you've got to make the most of that opportunity mm-hmm. while you have it. So uh, good on you, man. That's awesome. Thanks for doing that. I know your wife probably also is uh, very thankful. She appreciates it too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Are you it's going on sport. tour? Are you going to yeah. go on tour after the fact? What do you, what was your what was your part that you played in theater when you were? Uh, I mean, I did that? a lot of different shows. You know, traditional musical theater stuff like West Side Story or Godspell okay. or, or things like that uh, around New York. You know, I'd get a tour and go around the country and do different regional theaters and things like that. So, you know, I spent two weeks here, four months there. I just didn't really know where I would be. Yeah. It was wherever so, I got hired, the best part, best pay. Yeah, it makes sense that that would not. You know, it wouldn't work too good for a family man. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Very, very interesting. So tell me a little bit about how faith has played a part in your business life. You know, a lot of times in business, it seems to me that in business as believers, it can kind of be a segmented part of your life. You know, I'm doing this, I got the family, got this, got the business. How has faith played a part in your approach to what you're doing every day for a living? Uh, I've just tried to weave it into everything that we do here. Like for me, and I work with almost 30 employees. So there's a lot of people here who are believers and a lot of people who aren't. I work with a lot of clients who are believers and a lot who aren't too. It's like, I'm not, you know, I don't limit it on that side of things. But for me, it's how am I going to treat my employees? How am I going to treat my clients? And really the integrity. So there's a a little, I keep a window above my, we do window restoration. So I keep a little salvaged window above my whiteboard that says integrity and respect. And it's like, I'm just Mm. always trying to be mindful of, I want my yes to be yes and my no to be no. And when I get presented with business opportunities where I'm like, that would be fantastic. I could do that. And you're like, that's not entirely ethical, but it's not wrong, but it's kind of gray area. I was like, Mm -hmm. I would prefer to avoid even the appearance of evil and try and make sure everything's on the up and up. And for me in construction, I felt like that was a big thing that was lacking. There was all this talk about contractors like, oh, you can't trust. There's a lot of shady contractors Mm. who take your money and run. Anytime I see an industry that they're like, well, there's just nobody good in that industry or, you know, the airline industry is bad with customer service or whatever. My first inclination is how can I start a business in there that does the opposite of what people think? And so mm-hmm. I wanted to have a, con- a company that was like the uncontractor, that it's like <laughs> a bunch of people who walk in and they're super polite and clean cut and they know what they're doing. They're talented craftsmen and, and women. They are just on the up and up and they treat your house with respect. You know, there's, there's not a lot of businesses or companies where, you know, if I go to Apple and buy a, an iPhone, they don't come in my house. But my company, we come in your house. We're working in your bedroom around lead paint that we're trying to, we got to make sure we're protecting your kids from. So we have to be full of integrity. We have to make sure we're doing it right. And if it means I take a hit to the bottom line, I'm not willing to make more money and sacrifice that kind of commitment. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a good standard. I really like your characterization there, the uncontractor. In every industry, as you're saying, there are people who approach it in a way that is kind of a blight on everyone. Mm-hmm. 
who are trying to do this right. Can you think about a time where you came in behind someone or you're grabbing a job that's falling to the ground from a previous person who was there who took the money and ran and didn't do the work? Is there something that comes to mind there in, in terms of how you have or how you would approach uh, something like that? Maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. That hasn't happened a lot of times. Well, probably for us, we've certainly stepped in a few times. I can I think of where we've, you know, something's gone south and they're like, well, maybe you can help Mm. it. But, and those have probably been some of the least enjoyable jobs because then that client is always looking at you like, are you going to screw me over like the last person did? Yeah. And so they just don't trust you at all. I'd rather have the ones where Mm. they started with us and they have a good relationship going forward. Right. I mean, the integrity thing is tough because we've got some stuff where we're working on it. We're like, well, they said they wanted this type of primer. And that primer is a big old pain and it takes forever and we don't have the time. And mm-hmm. We're going to delay everything if we use it and they're out of stock. And you're like, we could just use this. And then it's like, well, they'll never know. Maybe they will, yeah. but maybe they won't. Most likely they won't. But I'm trying mm-hmm. to be, if I'm saying we're going to have integrity as the owners, like I got to stand there and go, no, we're going to take the hit. I'm going to make less money. And I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to sleep well tonight because if they ever come back and go, you didn't do this or you didn't do this, I'd be like, I did exactly what was in the contract. I want to make sure I'm delivering exactly what I said I would deliver. And I get frustrated Mm. sometimes with some of those clients that have had that problem where they've had a a contractor who came through and just really did them wrong. And I'm coming in trying to fix it. I would definitely want to fix it for them and make their life a little bit easier. But I know that they're kind of like a wounded animal and they're just a little gun shy thinking that you're going to take advantage. They kind of stand over your shoulder and watch you work. And you're like, oh, dear Lord, just let me do my job. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was talking to a contractor yesterday who was looking at something for me and he was talking about the kind of the time of life or supply chain or whatever that we're in. He was saying the material shortage was really elevating his particular expense. Fairly large job that he I guess he kind of invested some of his own money in before it was over because of the price of materials from the time it was quoted until the time it was approved and until the time that was installed. Is that something that's impacted you guys? Oh, yeah. I've paid many clients so that I could work on their houses. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's bad business, but sometimes, you know, you yeah. can kind of have the conversation. Some clients are fair-minded and they understand they're like, yeah, I get it. But yeah, you can send me a change order for that. I understand. But then some clients are like, no, mm-hmm. absolutely not. And I still am like, you yeah. know what? I gave you a fixed price contract. You signed it. Yeah. I signed it. You sent a deposit. You're locked in. You're good. If my costs went up, that's my own fault. And I'll change my uh, contract wording for a lot of different things when they happen. And that's just business and me learning and trying to be better at it. But I try to have the conversation if people are amenable. Sometimes you got the nice clients and sometimes you got people who are going to like hold your feet to the fire. Like I said, with uh, I gave you my word and I'll do it. But, you know, I, right. I, I hope to get out of those when I can. Sure, sure. It wasn't something that you did or something that you overlooked, right. the cost of your materials, at least in our climate. Uh, I think the shortage on lumber or the supply demand differential has gotten a little bit sorted out. Is lumber prices saying? have gotten a lot better for us. Yeah. I mean, we do a fair amount on lumber, but things like plywood, we use a ton of plywood to board up windows while we're working mm-hmm. on them. And when a year ago yeah. it was eight bucks a sheet. And now I'm paying at one point at the peak, I was paying like $60 a sheet. I went, I told people, I was like, I understand that we said this price, but nobody anticipated this. You know, even if it yeah. doubled, I would have been yeah. like, yeah, that stinks. But 
you know, nobody anticipated yeah. an eight to 12 times cost in, increase in the stuff. So it was, it was an interesting year for that. Oh, I'm not in the construction business myself, but, and we have seen some supply chain issues, but I think lumber was one of those, you know, sort of biggest impacts that the weirdness in our time, you know, has impacted. What else in the time that we're in, of course, it depends on who you ask, but we're in the general time frame of a pandemic or, a, you know, some kind of crisis or whatever. Yeah. How else has that impacted your business? What else has happened during the times that we're in that have uh, informed your approach or, or any of those kinds of things? During this time, we realized that there was going to be, and I think those there still will be people going forward, even in five years, who are, I want to not have you in my house. I'm nervous about germs now. Some people just got scared enough because of this. They're like, you know, mm. maybe this one's over, but maybe there's another one coming. I don't know. And so yeah, I yeah. try to cater stuff to those clients to at least have an offering. So we started doing some remote coaching for people where they're like, hey, you know, we live seven states away and we still need help with our windows. Well, let's jump on a Zoom call and you can pay us by the hour to consult with you and help you. We'll send you the supplies, the tools we use. And we put together some virtual packages like that. And then we also put together a course called The Window Course. It's just thewindowcourse.com. And it teaches people. I shot hours and hours of video, like dozens of courses on like little lessons on how to restore your windows, how to do every little step of the way. And now people who are like anywhere in the world can just sign up and take that course because I'm not coming to their house now. No crew, nothing like that. Right. They're totally safe or they're work from home folks that are like, I got time, I can save money, I can do it this way. And I'm like, so we laid out some offerings that allowed us to help people and serve them, but not actually be in their house or, you know, or work on yeah. a commercial building. They could utilize some of those remote or touch-free, I guess, services. I'm going to make sure my wife doesn't hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the window. The windowcourse.com. There you go. The window course. You can restore your own windows. You could you could learn and do it on your <laughs> old house. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. I know. I've made some husbands angry with that one. I can well imagine. The honeydew list just got really, really long. It's like, yeah, you've taken away my last excuse. <laughs> I can't possibly get to me getting a window in. Now, obviously, this is a little bit of an aside, but my dad was a contractor as well. Historically, in my family, I don't know if I didn't get it or what. When it comes to pulling out a window, I'm just suddenly nervous, you know, I mean, because you've got you know, it's totally trimmed out. Right. It's a sealed up environment. And it's not the window itself. It's everything it attaches to and the stuff that's on top of it and the siding and the brick and the whatever yep. else. But you give us all those details. And uh, yeah, your I mean, it's just for historic windows. So if you got an old house built before, you know, the 50s or, or 60s, then it probably won't uh -huh. climb. But if you got right. a new house, I'm pretty ignorant on how to work on the new windows. I know enough about them to know that I prefer old windows. But that's about it. <laughs> You're saying I have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my house is newer than that, so I'm going go. to be safe yeah. from the honeydew list invasion. We're going to break here for this week. Come back next time to find out how looking carefully at another business's books revealed an integrity issue and helped Scott avoid a serious problem. 
Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that when activated in your own life will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.